Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It is first Friday, January the 7th, 2022, and you have survived your very first week of 2022. Congratulations. Praise be to God. You made it. The weekend is nigh upon you, and I wonder what's going to be on your agenda. Uh, Hopefully, it'll be a great, restful weekend for you, and uh, praise be to God for that. But we are going to have a great show today. Today, we're going to be talking about Spain. The great land that produced saints like St. Dominic, St. Vincent uh, Ferrer, St. Teresa of Avila. How about Isabel and Ferdinand? Ignatius of Loyola, John of the Cross. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And and yet, 62% of uh, Spaniards define themselves as Catholic today. Just 62%. That's down from 85% in 2000, 98% in 1975. Only about a third of those Catholics say they're actively participating in the faith. Only a third. Is there a need for a reconquista of Spain yet again? I mean, they've gone through this a few times there. So to have that conversation, coming up at 35 past this hour, Eduardo Ordonez is going to join us. He is uh, with the Carlist out of Spain. He lives in Texas, but from Spain. And we're going to have a conversation at 35 past the hour because there is a rise in evangelicalism, but honestly, I think the real issue is there is a rise in secularism, humanism, and, uh, and a, a leaving of the faith. The great nuns that is plaguing America is also plaguing the great country of Spain. So we're going to have that conversation. There are, as I say, several stories in the news that are going to be of great concern to me coming up at 15 past the hour, and I'm sure to you as well. I'm not sure if you heard, but a manifesto was delivered to His Holiness Pope Francis this week uh, from German Catholics who are gravely concerned about the synodal path, the synodal way happening in their country right now. Uh, A man was rejected from going to Holy Mass at Christmas because he did not receive the vaccine in Puerto Rico. There there was all kinds of other stories. We'll get into that at 15 past the hour, but uh, lots to discuss today. It's going to be a great show. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. And after the first week of 2022, I'm in Spain, but the S is silent. (laughs) 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 You're in pain? Is that what you just said? I'm in pain. Why? What's going on? Well... You know, got, I'm going to get my pods this weekend, so oh. I'm, I'm going to be in Spain, but the SSI. Oh, I see. You, you're, <laughs> you're, you're getting your, your, your container from California. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Well, then, you'll meet, then you'll be official. There's no turning back at this point. I know. I know. Wow. Kind of scary. Kind of scary. Have you had your first tacos yet? or Here? Yeah. I had you brisket can't tacos. Be... Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, well, They're that pretty counts. Good. That pretty much covers that. Yeah. You are official then. You're Texan. Check. Bucket list. <laughs> <you> <laughs> Speaking of bucket lists and checkboxes, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos, checking them. Good morning to you, Adrian Fonseca. I thought you were going to say, speaking of tacos, 
Yeah. <laughs> Didn't I do that yesterday? Mm. Did we talk? No, I, I forget. Think so. I don't I think forget. so. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to get tacos after the show. Now I'm craving tacos. Now you're craving. It's the always tacos. food. It's always food here. Fish tacos. But, you know, sneak peek. Our saint of the day may also be a Spanish saint. Oh, I so, thought you were gonna say also go. a taco lover. No, I mean I'm sure he is. I mean, <laughs> I mean, who's not a taco lover? I mean, I can't. I will. I refuse to talk to anybody who's not a taco lover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, praise be to God. Uh, by the way, my wife really loved you reading of St. Vincent uh, Ferrer's homily oh, be to God. on Epiphany. So, well done. We sent that link out to our CDT Insider email list yesterday. So, uh, every Thursday, I try to blast our insiders, our super fans, with some special, unique content. And uh, we did that yesterday, last night. So, praise be to God. If you want to get in on that, it's not too late. All you need to do is join our email list, which you can do on our website at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. If you sign up to the email before Sunday at around noon central, then you should get that. It'll, it's scheduled to hit your inbox again uh, Sunday at about 12, 1230 p.m. Central Time. So and it's still relevant because it's the octave of Epiphany for the next eight days. That's right. Praise be to God. All right. We have a great uh, program for you today on this first Friday of January 7th, 2022. Again, we're going to have a conversation with Eduardo Ordonez uh, from uh, the Carlists, uh, which is I think going to be an opportunity to have a conversation about Spanish history briefly as we talk about the uh, the the decrease in Catholic faith in Spain uh, coming up at 35 past the hour. We'll have What's Concerning Us story at 15 past. We have breaking news and stories, Saint of the Day, Gospel Day. And then, of course, in our second hour, we have our game show. And today is the day we give out prizes. So if you want to win, you better get in on that in our next hour for all of you that can join us. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your breaking stories with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. I'm Rudy Carlos. Let's dive right into the headline news this morning. LifeSite News reports March for Life cancels Expo, announces vaccine or test mandate for indoor events. Breitbart reports poll shows U.S. public consensus. The nation is declining. A consensus of 77% of Americans says the nation's society and culture are decaying, and only 10% believe the nation is improving, according to a new poll by the Trafalgar Group. The views of Democrats were similar to the overall population. 61% of Democrats say the nation is in a state of decay. Only 15% of Democrats said the country is progressing, even though the White House, the House, and the Senate are all dominated by older Democrats. Republicans are more pessimistic. Only 4% see progress, while 86% see decay. Only 11% of swing voting independents see progress, while 82% see decay. The overall results are broadly similar to among age groups. 82% of the youngest group, aged 18 to 24, reported decline, slightly above 80% rating, an 80% rating reported by Americans aged 65 and over. And the Daily Wire reports Chicago schools to close for third consecutive day as teachers' union fights return to in-person class. 
Chicago public schools have canceled classes for the third consecutive day as the city negotiates with the Chicago Teachers Union over appropriate COVID-19 protocols for the upcoming semester. The Teachers Union sent out a message to its members earlier this week, instructing them to stay home Wednesday. That work action now has persisted through the end of the week, according to district officials who announced that Friday's classes would likely be canceled throughout the city. The union-driven standoff began two days after students returned to cl- in class uh, following winter break. Now the 350,000 student school district, third largest in the nation, has frozen again except in a small number of schools where some staff have continued to show up despite the union-endorsed work action, according to district officials. Officials have deemed the school freeze an illegal work stoppage. And the Epic Times reports dying patients denied care in lockdown Xi'an sparks public outrage. On New Year's Day in the lockdown city, Chinese city of Xi'an, a woman who was eight months pregnant miscarried while waiting in the freezing cold outside a hospital. She had been denied entry because of her negative COVID-19 test was invalid by a few hours. Footage of her ordeal was posted on China's Twitter-like Weibo, ignited an outpouring of anger and anguish from Xi'an, the city that has confined all of its residents to their homes since December 23rd, as it grapples with rising COVID-19 cases. Over the past two weeks, exasperated residents have flooded Chinese social media feeds with pleas for food and basic supplies, triggering public outrage and broadening doubts about the sustainability of the Chinese regime's two-year-long playbook of tolerating no virus cases, no matter the cost, also known as zero COVID. In today's Xi'an, you could starve to death or get sick and die, but you can't die of COVID-19, an online commenter wrote. Earlier January 5th, some locals received an important message on WeChat, another popular Chinese messaging platform, warning them that their chat groups were being actively monitored, according to screenshots shared with Radio Free Asia. Rumors and outbreaks related videos were strictly banned from all the chats, the announcement stated, adding that any spread of negative news could trigger an account suspension. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day, as I said, is a Spanish saint, Saint Raymond of uh, Pinafort, you know, a Dominican, because they're the best. He was born in 1175, and since Raymond lived into his hundredth year, he had a chance. He had a chance to do many things. Hundred years old, imagine. As a member of the Spanish nobility, he had the resources and the education to get a good start in life. By the time he was 20 years old, he was teaching philosophy. I'm 23. I'm I'm late. In his early 30s, he earned a doctorate in both canon and civil law. At the age of 41, he became a Dominican. Good good choice. Very smart man. Pope Gregory IX called him to Rome to work for him and to be his confessor. One of the things the Pope asked him to do was to gather together all the decrees of the popes and councils that had been made in 80 years since a similar collection by Gratian. Raymond compiled five books called the Decretos, and they made looking they were looked upon as one of the best organized collections of church law until the 1917 codification of canon law. Earlier, Raymond had written for confessors a book of cases. It was called Summa de Cassibus Potitensiae. More than simply a list of sins and penances, it discussed pertinent doctrines and laws of the church that pertain to the problem or case brought to the confessor. At the age of 60, Raymond was appointed Archbishop of Tarragona, the capital of Aragon. He didn't like the honor at all and ended up getting sick and resigning in two years. He didn't get to enjoy his peace long, however, because when he was 63, he was elected by his fellow Dominicans to be the head of the whole order, the successor of St. Dominic. 
Raymond worked hard, visited on foot all the Dominicans, reorganized their constitutions, and managed to put through, uh, put through a provision that a master general be allowed to resign. When the new constitutions were accepted, Raymond, then 65, resigned. He still had 35 years to oppose heresy and work for the conversion of the Moors in Spain. He convinced St. Thomas Aquinas to write his work against the Gentiles, the Summa Contra Gentiles. In his hundredth year, the Lord let Raymond retire. He died on January 6, 1275. St. Raymond of Pinafort, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. It happened that there was a man full of leprosy in one of the towns where Jesus was. And when he saw Jesus, he fell prostrate, pleaded with him, and said, Lord, if you wish, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him, and said, I do will it, be made clean. And the leprosy left him immediately. Then he ordered him not to tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses prescribed. That will be proof for them. The report about him spread all the more, and great crowds assembled to listen to him and to be cured of all their ailments. But he would withdraw to deserted places to pray. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Ambrose would say, By falling on his face, he showed his humility and modesty that all men might learn to be ashamed of the stains of their lives. But this, his bashfulness, did not prevent him from confessing his misery. He exposed his wound. He solicits a cure. Lord, if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. He did not doubt the goodness of the Lord, but in consideration of his own unworthiness, he did not presume that confession is full of religion and faith, which places its trust in the will of God. Close quote, St. Ambrose, pray for us. Uh, there, I mean, I, I don't know if you paid any attention or if, you, if it stood out to you, but it stood out to me. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. This is leprosy. One of the most contagious ancient world diseases uh, that there were. I mean, this still remained the case up until not all that long ago when people were secluded in little colonies. We all know the story of St. Damien and Molokai. I've flown over that, that leper colony myself in a Cessna just to see it. I mean, this is the thing. He touched him. No matter the contagion. Yes, he's God. I get it. But should we not be led in, in courage and faith? Then in a world of contagion, it is not the mortal body that has to have uh, the preeminent role, but rather that of the soul and of salvation? Wouldn't it be better if we live with such courageous faith as our Lord and Savior has? He leads the way. We should follow him. Let us have courage. Let us have faith. Let us not set aside that courage and faith because of fear of what may happen. We'll be right back. What's Concerning Us is coming up next. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. Are you worried about the war on Christmas? Don't be. G.K. Chesterton says Christmas is the irresistible festival for those who are afraid to be festive. It is the spectacular festival when 
Almost everyone lives and acts poetry instead of just a few people writing it. It is the ancient festival, a trinity of eating, drinking, praying, that to modern seems irreverent because the holy day really is a holiday. No matter what happens, says Chesterton, the great majority will go on observing Christmas Day with Christmas gifts and Christmas benedictions, and they will continue to do it, and suddenly, someday they'll wake up and discover why. Want more than a minute? Visit us at chesterton.org. I am Josefa Barrios Onsures, Business and Operations Assistant for the Guadalupe Radio Network. Come, let us adore Him. May the light that came into the world in Bethlehem bring you joy and peace this Christmas and throughout the new year. May God bless you. To Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, we're going to be talking about Spain. Eduardo Ordonez is going to be our guest. He is a Carlist. He runs a Carlist circle in Texas. Uh, the Carlist movement uh, stems from Spain after the Napoleon Wars. They helped uh, to uh, reignite Catholicism in the country. And we're going to have a conversation about why, why this great Spanish country, this great country of great Catholic saints, is declining in faith rather than growing. We're going to have that conversation at 35 past the hour. But there are, as I say, a few stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure to you as well. Um, there was, this was a story out of LifeSite News. The headline says, unvaccinated man turned away from Christmas Eve mass because of vaccine status. Now, this was actually one of a few stories I saw related to this uh, over the course of last week. Uh, so I think this is this is indicative of a greater problem we're facing right now in the Catholic Church. Do we see the world through the lens of the world, the flesh and the devil? Or do we see the world through the lens of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and his incredible courage? I mean, he's God. I get it. But for you and me... It would take great courage and great faith to have the eyes of faith to touch the leper. Right? I mean, that's what we just read in the gospel. He touched the leper. But yet here, a priest in Puerto Rico turned a man away because he was not vaccinated. Do you think if our Lord were standing here with us right now, and of course he is, he's God. um, Do you think he would turn away this man because he was not vaccinated? Do you think he would? I'm just curious. Now, the good news about this story is this is not the policy of the diocese that this man is from in Puerto Rico. It is simply the parish priest who took it upon himself to do this. And I I do think that's good news. Praise be to God for that. But I don't know what will happen if there is a conversation happening between this diocesan uh, bishop and and the priest, whether or not he's being reprimanded or if this has been corrected or if there were other people who were turned away. I do not know. But this man in particular tried to go to Christmas Eve Mass and was turned away simply because he did not have the vaccine. Um, of course, we, we all remember the stories coming out of Canada. Two dioceses, two bishops up there tried to implement this. I think one still may be in effect. And I know there are other spots around the world that are implementing this. 
it is a very sad state of affairs. Even at the Vatican, you can't work at the Vatican and not be vaccinated. Um, these are troubling times, and I think it speaks to the gospel we heard today, that we should not have fear of losing our body, as Matthew chapter 10, uh, our Lord warned his apostles, do not fear that which can kill the body, but rather fear him who can take body and soul and cast them into the fiery pit of hell. Let's live with faith. That's all I really want to say about that story. You can read it at LifeSite News. Unvaccinated man turned away from Christmas Eve mass because of vaccine status. What I want to do, though, is I want to turn to this story. This is out of Catholic Culture, catholicculture.org. German Catholics Manifesto Opposes Bishops' Synodal Path. I don't know if you've heard, you heard this story or not this week. Um, I found this very fascinating. We've covered a lot of stories coming out of Germany over the past year. In 2021, uh, we had great interviews in regards to the stories coming out of Germany. In fact, here's what the article says out of Catholic Culture. Pope Francis today received a document signed by almost 6,000 German Catholics expressing opposition to the synodal path being pursued by the German Episcopal Conference. The the pontiff received the eight-page document entitled New Beginning, a Manifesto to Reform for a delegation of German Catholics who attended his regular weekly public audience. The manifesto charges that the synodal path, which proposes radical changes in church teaching and discipline, violates the peace of congregations, abandons the path of unity with the universal church, damages the church in the substance of its faith, and paves the way toward schism. The fact that the Pope, that the fact that Pope Francis arranged a public meeting with some of the German Catholics who signed the manifesto suggests a strong degree of papal support for the initiative. Further Vatican support was evident in the fact that Cardinal uh, Kurt Koch and President, uh, the president of the Pontifical Council for Christian Unity, celebrated the mass for the German delegation, as well as did Archbishop Georg Gonswein, the secretary to Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. Pope Francis had written to the German church leadership in November of 2020, expressing concerns about some of the radical proposals of the Synodal Path. But the German bishops continued the process undaunted, and the the manifesto observes the Pope's objections were simply ignored. The New Beginning document rejects the proposals that have been endorsed by a majority of the German bishops and insists that the Episcopal Conference cannot speak for all Catholics in Germany and make binding decisions for them. The manifesto especially objects to the statements incorporated in the synodal path on the ordination of women, divorce and remarriage, the priesthood and the recognition of homosexual unions. Supporters of the Synodal Path have argued that the process is a necessary response to the corruption that has been exposed by the sex abuse scandal. But the manifesto counters that what actually happened was an instrumentalization of the crisis of abuse for the implementation of a well-known politico-ecclesiastical agenda, a liberal church agenda. Moreover, the manifesto charges that the proponents of the synodal path representing clerics and church workers are seeking to conserve the model of a highly institutionalized church in which they can maintain control, reform the church. The manifesto authors argue has never been genuine and deep renewal without repentance and the life changing rediscovery of the gospel. 
And that is the article out of catholicculture.org. Now, here's my thought about this. I am glad to see that His Holiness Pope Francis met with a component of the delegation. I'm glad to see that the German bishops who work at the Vatican uh, said Holy Mass for them and received them. Praise be to God. And I do think that that signals some, some support. And I'm, I was glad to hear that Pope Francis reached out back in November of 2020 to the German bishops to say, hey, guys, you know, you're going too far. Stop it. But golly gee whiz, is there nothing else we can do? I mean, might there be a way, Your Holiness, that more action might be taken, that more effort might be put into stopping them from creating a schismatic insanity among the lay faithful and the faithful in Germany? Uh, because, as this article points out, as the manifesto clearly says, they're, they're facing several key troubling issues. Divorce and remarriage uh, communion, uh, communion for Protestants, uh, the homosexual union issue. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. I mean, maybe possibly you might have, uh, I don't know, I mean, maybe if we took the model that we've been using to suppress the traditional Latin communities, Latin mass communities, Maybe if we just took that model and applied it to here, maybe more action will be taken and more, uh, more re- resolution and resolve will come. Because if you just get your dicasteries to point out, to say, hey, you guys need to follow the Catholic faith as it's been handed down for 2,000 years from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, down from his apostles, through the bishops, to our age, and stop experimenting like this is your personal toy, but rather the patrimony of that you are entrusted to protect, Rudy? Uh, yeah, Joe, it reminds me, you know, you and I are both fathers, and obviously you have more experience than I do being a, being a father, but what strikes me about this sort of interaction here, it, it reminds me of, it would be like, for example, uh, you know, ch- your children coming home for the holidays, and they're in complete disarray. Yeah. They're doing whatever, whatever they want, just off the rails, and uh, the father just kind of, allowing them to do whatever they want without really inputting or trying to fix the problem. Yeah. You know, um, you, I don't know. Did you ever watch the movie apocalypse now? No, (laughs) I'm sorry, Joe. Every time you ask me a question about a movie, I say, no, Uh, I I guess as Rudy said, as Adrian (laughs) says, I'm old. So uh, back in my day, there was a film called apocalypse now. Adrian, have you seen Apocalypse Now? Nope. <laughs> Striking out. Here. You're old. Sorry. Very old. But at any rate, there's a scene. It's a, it's a Vietnam war film. And it, it, Martin Sheen stars in this film, among a bunch of other big actors. And there's a scene where Martin Sheen's character is on a boat at night, and he comes up to a base. They dock at the, like at the edge of this fire base. And he gets out to go look for the base commander. And he's trying to wandering around, and the place is sort of like Twilight Zone. It's like, this should be a military instil- installation. You know, law and order, discipline. You know, that's what you expect in military installations. But this place was... was out there. It was, felt like Twilight Zone. And he's wandering around trying to find who's in charge here. And he finds a guy shooting an M60 into the darkness. And it's a big, it's a big machine gun. And uh, he's just throwing out rounds, throwing down tracer rounds out into the, into the darkness. And, he's, and he stops and he asks the guy, hey, what are you shooting at? You know, <laughs> like, like, like nothing shooting back. What, what, are you, what are you shooting? And, you know, and, uh, and the guy's just shooting. He's sort of, sort of ignoring him. And then Martin Sheen's character says, who's in charge here? And the guy stops and says, ain't you? <laughs> you <know? laughs> and then you realize, 
oh, there is no leadership here. There's no leadership. And as a result, everything has fallen apart and devolved into chaos. And I think that's a great metaphor for what we're seeing. And it's kind of to the point where you just made in the absence of fatherhood, the children are going to run out of control. It's kind of like that. Uh, I've seen, I've heard uh, psychologists talk about how, you know, playgrounds with fences around them are safe places for kids to play. And, they, and they'll use the maximum amount of that space because they can see the clearly defined edges. Hmm. But a playground with no fence, they tend to they tend to stay very close to the center because they, they don't have that same comfort level. So Holy Mother Church in her wisdom has given us the, the fence line through teaching and the patrimony of that t- uh, teaching come down to us. But when we start to tear down the fence line, you get fear, anxiety, and then, of course, experimentation. Yeah. And I think we're seeing that in a big way. And it's such, it's such a sad state of affair to see the church develop like that. But I am glad to see. I mean, I take some hope. I don't have a lot. I'm not putting, I'm not putting a whole lot onto this, but... I'm glad they received this this group of German Catholics. What will come of it? Uh, maybe nothing. Guess we'll see. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, because I don't know. I guess having served in the Marine Corps, you know, in boot camp, leadership overturned like every week. Like you, you're fired. You over there, you're in charge. Like that's how it worked. Like that's that's the Marine Corps way. And I think that's God's design for the for the universe, by the way. <laughs> and uh, and that's why the Marine Corps adopted that because it's divine. And, uh, and, but we don't, we lack that, right? It's like, we lack that. And I don't understand if the Pope can express his, his pontifical uh, prerogative onto some communities within the church, why doesn't he just do this to the bishops in Germany? Is it because he wants their money? And because a lot of money comes out of Germany to, to the Vatican? And he's afraid for that? Don't, do not be afraid, Your Holiness. Do not be afraid. Simply uh, be Peter and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, we have to pray for that, definitely. Yeah, amen to that. All right, we're going to go to break. We're going to come back. We have more breaking news and stories with Rudy Carlos. And then, of course, we're going to jump into our conversation about the faithful in Spain with Eduardo Ordones, a Carlist. That's coming up right after this break. Don't go anywhere. Do us a favor, though, and share us with a friend. Praise be to God. And keep, keep His Holiness and the bishops in prayer. We'd be grateful. God love you. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. G.K. Chesterton says that it is in the old Christmas carols that date from the Middle Ages that we find not only what makes Christmas poetic and soothing and stately, but what makes it exciting. The exciting quality of Christmas rests upon a great paradox that the power and center of the whole universe may be found in something very small, a baby in a manger. And it's extraordinary to notice how completely this paradox of the manger was lost by the brilliant theologians, but was kept in the Christmas carols. The songs recall the main point of the story, that God once ruled the universe from a stable, and that the hands that made the stars were too small to reach the huge heads of the cattle. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. 
During this season of celebrating the birth of our Savior, it's a good time to reflect on all of our blessings. Yes, Dave, like all of our faithful listeners who help keep Catholic Radio on the air every day. So, so I'm grateful for our bishops, priests, and religious who sacrifice every single day for the salvation of souls. I appreciate being a Catholic and for the freedom we enjoy to worship in this country. And even for the little things, like that gallon of eggnog sitting in our office fridge. Ooh, is that supposed to be for everybody? Uh, yeah. Oops. Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas, GRN family! family. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here's your headline news. The Blaze reports Kamala Harris slammed for comparing January 6th to Pearl Harbor and 9-11 terror attacks, as outrageous and offensive as it gets. The Daily Caller reports trade deficit hits record as demand for imports soars. The U.S. trade deficit soared to a record high in November as consumer demand for goods and the easing of supply chain bottlenecks caused imports to surge, according to the Commerce Department. The goods deficit increased in November to $99 billion as consumers shopped for holiday gifts earlier than in previous years, the Commerce Department announced on Thursday. Imports outweighed exports, bringing the U.S. trade deficit in goods and services in November to $80.2 billion. The global trade has also had a strong recovery after plummeting during the height of the pandemic restrictions. That said, roaring consumer demand coupled with transportation and delivery problems disrupted the flow of goods in recent months. Some indicators nonetheless see the supply chain difficulties easing in the coming months, while others see congested U.S. ports and the surging Omicron variant signaling significant headwinds for trade. Input cost inflation is at a 10-year high and labor shortages and other issues are causing disruptions across our supply chain from our suppliers to manufacturing to distribution. These disruptions are driving down service levels and driving up costs above and beyond inflation throughout the industry, General Mills Incorporated Chief Executive Jeff Harmoning said. Breitbart reports Australia forces tennis champion Novak Djokovic into dingy refugee facility. Serbian tennis star Novak Djokovic sparked a major controversy in Australia when he tried to enter the country to play in the upcoming Australian Open using a medical exemption for coronavirus vaccination. Reports indicate that the Australian Open organizers granted an exception, but Australia's border force revoked his visa when he arrived at Tula Marine Airport in Melbourne on Wednesday. After a 12-hour standoff with authorities, Djokovic was shuffled off to the infamous Park Hotel, an unpleasant Melbourne establishment the government uses to temporarily house detainees. Djokovic, who is 34, is one of the world's best players and arguably among the all-time greats. If he wins one more Grand Slam title, he will set the men's tennis record for championship trophies. Both guests and staff described the Park Hotel as a hotbed for coronavirus transmission. Detainees complained of finding mold and maggots in their food. Two fires broke out in the upper floors within the past two weeks, and Djokovic claims he found bugs in his room. And the Epic Times reports LA Sheriff Police report hundreds of staff in quarantine. Los Angeles law enforcement agencies reported hundreds of officers and staff were quarantined this week after testing positive for COVID-19. LA County Sheriff Alex Villanueva said 573 personnel were quarantined with five of those in the hospital. The Los Angeles Police Department, which has about 9,500 sworn officers, reported that 500 officers were staying home after testing positive for the virus. One employee was hospitalized in an extremely grave condition. LAPD Michael 
LAPD Chief Michael Moore said during a press conference on January 6th, about five of every six LAFD and LAPD employees were vaccinated, Garcetti said. About 41 employees are on leave for not reporting their COVID-19 vaccination status to the county, and 374 employees have submitted exemption requests. About 2,000 police employees have filed religious exemption requests, according to Moore. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Real quick, before we jump into our conversation uh, with our guest, I wanted to mention that we're trying to give somebody a brand new Mercedes. So if that interests you at all and you're, you'd like to know how that might be you, well, all you got to do is go to our website, grnonline.com. Scroll down till you see the picture of the Mercedes. It'll have all the details right there. That's grnonline.com. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is Eduardo Ordonez. He is a uh, Carlist, and we're going to talk about Spain. Uh, according to the Justice Ministry uh, Ministry's Observatory of Religious Pluralism, in 1998, there were 96,000 Protestants living in Spain. In 2018, that was up more than 900 and growing fast. It kind of reminds me of what happened to Montreal, a severe decline over the last hundred years. To talk about that, Eduardo Ordones is here. Good morning to you, sir. Thank you for your time. Good morning, Joe. Thank you for inviting me to your program. Yeah, um, actually, I have to say, I think it's the first time that I get up so early <laughs> to, comment, <laughs> to comment political or religious news. So thank you for inviting me to my first rodeo here. Praise be to God. Well, the good news <laughs> is all the best people on planet Earth get up early. So now you are among the best. So congratulations. Yes, yes. Congratulations. I'm happy to share that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we think of Spain and uh, I think of the great saints. I mean, there is just an endless <laughs> supply of incredible saints. Isabel and Ferdinand. I, inc- I include them on my list because they're, they're pretty amazing. Ignatius sure, of Loyola, sure. St. Dominic, of course, St. Teresa of Avila, I mean, St. Vincent Ferrer, I mean, St. Francis, St. Raymond, St. Francis Borgia, Peter Claver, John of the Cross. I mean, you can go on and on and on. And, right. and there's been periods in Spanish history where they've needed the, the Reconquista, you know, the Isabel and Ferdinand conducted. I mean, how about sending uh, Columbus across the ocean? Uh, right. I mean, you can go on and on and on. And here we are, post-Civil War, 1937, uh, you thought, you'd think we'd have our act together, but we're seeing a severe decline in the Catholic faith among some of the most Catholic people on planet Earth. Tell us, what is the story here? Yes, yes. Um, uh, you know, if we, if we try to find out what are the, the reasons why this is happening, uh, first of all, I have to say that it's not surprising at all. Uh, it's something that um, uh, we have seen coming. Um, what you know, I, w- I will actually highlight that the fact that it took so long for this to happen, it just speaks volumes about the resiliency of Spaniards and the attachment of the Spaniards to their old traditions and customs. Because from a political perspective, you have to understand that, uh, or we have to understand that Spain has been under uh, a liberal revolution for 188 years. And that's something that's a historical fact that not many people know. Um, So the fact that we are now in 2022 and we are seeing this rising of the Protestant sects and groups um, is not surprising. Um, Now, on the concrete uh, portion of it, on the concrete causes, we have to say that this is happening, first of all, because this is legal. Uh, The liberal constitution of 1978 that was promulgated after uh, Franco's death uh, favors and, and grants freedom of religion as a right. So there is, 
it's, it's perfectly legal that uh, any kind of group, any kind of uh, uh, religious so spiritual group can go and set up uh, in Spain and have his own um, fans or whatever you call it, right? Mm. Um, the second of all, I would say, is the fact that um, during the 90s especially, there was a huge booming of the real estate industry in Spain, as the article that you mentioned um, explains very well. And in order to cope with that demand of uh, workforce, uh, many immigrants came to Spain. And these immigrants, they came especially from the North Africa, which was Muslim, uh, from Morocco and other countries like Nigeria, etc. And mainly from, um, you know, what we call our brothers from the New World, right? Uh, from from South uh, South America, countries from there, which it, it makes them easier for them to acclimate to a country like Spain where you speak Spanish and, you know, somehow you are more related with the customs or more acquainted with them. So is that people, that group of people, that segment of people that came from South America who joined uh, mainly all these uh, new evangelical, Pentecostal, or, you know, these uh, Protestant groups uh, in Spain, is not made up by uh, Spaniards from all Spain. So that's, uh, that's two different... Yeah. Uh, uh, there are there was there's a few articles that covered this story. Uh, the Associated Press did one, and then it was also picked up in the uh, CBN News. And they're talking about the rise and surge of evangelicals in Spain, fueled by Latin America. And one of the points that the article brings out is the these immigrants that are coming to your to your home country uh, felt uh, somewhat isolated and ostracized, and it was the evangelical Protestants and missionaries who seized on that moment and made, right. made them feel nice and welcome, and then they were coming into their, 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 their Protestant evangelical churches, their communities, right? So I, I found that very interesting, you know, the old argument of, being, of welcoming the stranger at Catholic parishes. They're sort of tapping into that notion here. Um, but the other thing the article points out is, is simply just the decline the, the pure across-the-board decline in the filet faithful, as well as the, as the clergy itself. It says, uh, part of the article says, of the 23,000 Catholic parishes in Spain at present, more than 6,000 have no full-time priest. Some churches had to close when a priest died or retired or be grouped together with other churches served by traveling priests with with who minister to multiple parishes. And there are pictures in some of these articles, and there's one in particular of a small... Look, the parish building looks fairly big, just looking at it, but uh, there's hardly anybody there, and they're mostly... I mean, it's like one man, and the rest are women, and it's sparse as it is. And I think that paints just the saddest picture of of the reality of the lay faithful in Spain. Yes, um, it is. Uh, it's a very sad picture because <clears throat> Spain is a country that uh, owes its own existence to the Catholic faith. And that's something that maybe we can touch upon later on. Um, yeah, we're up against a break. So uh, we're going to be going to a break here in a few seconds. And I want to cover that. But go ahead. Yes. So um, going back to this is Israel. I mean, what is what? And, and this this observation ha- has to be tied with the with the health of the church, you know, uh, in Spain. And what we have to say is that 
mainstream Catholicism in Spain is dying and has been dying uh, for a few decades already. Okay? All right, hold, hold that thought. Uh, hold that thought. We're at a break right now. We're going to continue this sure. conversation just on the other side of it. Our guest is Eduardo Ordones. He is a traditional Carlist and he runs a circle out of Texas. But we're going to talk more about that and a little bit of its history on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. G.K. Chesterton says that it's become a bad habit in our society to celebrate Christmas before it comes. We've forgotten the glory of anticipation. The presents should not be opened until Christmas. That, of course, is part of the excitement. And while we know the gifts are coming, Chesterton reminds us that the best kind of gift is the surprise gift. And if we have the right perspective, we should look at everything as a gift and every gift as a surprise gift. We are happy to wake up on Christmas morning and find gifts in our stockings, but the best gift we could ever find in our stockings is our own two legs. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca wishing you a Merry Christmas from the Catholic Drive Time team. A brief meditation on Christmas. The Virgin adored him saying, O Lord, you indeed have come from heaven to earth for the salvation of men. I adore you because as God you are my creator and as human you are my son. Joseph adored him saying, O Lord, you have granted me such a grace. Kings and prophets wished to see you and they did not see. But to me, a sinner, you have given such a grace that I should see you. Merry Christmas and God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Eduardo Ordones is our guest. He is a traditional Carlist, and, uh, which is a term we probably ought to define. Some people are like, what? What's, what's a Carlist? Uh, <laughs> so we, we may be doing that. But we're talking in general about the decline of the Catholic faith in Catholic Spain, uh, which breaks my heart because I love history. And I've I spend all my free time generally reading history books, Catholic history books, and so and I love the stories of of Isabel and Ferdinand. I love I love the uh, the stories of the conflict between Catholic Spain and Protestant England, for instance. Um, so, with that in mind, uh, welcome back to the program, Eduardo Ordones. Maybe you can really quickly, what is a Carlist? Thank you, um, <clears throat> Carlist uh, or Carlism can be defined as the. I mean, there are different ways to do it. My favorite way to define it is as the oldest and existing counter-revolutionary movement that is uh, intrinsically Catholic and is attached to a royal uh, dynasty of kings. So you are uh, you are pursuing or hoping to to pursue the uh, sort of the bringing back the Spanish crown. There's rest, the restoration of the crown. Yes, the restoration of the Catholic uh, monarchy. Because I mean, if you know, if you go back to Ferdinand and Isabel, which called the uh, you know the Catholic kings, that is what defines technically Spanish monarchy. Spanish monarchy equals um, Catholic monarchy. That's the title of the Spanish monarchs. Is the Catholic yeah. kings. And to the point you made before the break, you talked about how it's perfectly legal that these groups come in and they, they proselytize Catholics and kind of uh, pick them out of their parishes. Uh, yeah. Would that be the case under a Catholic monarchy? Well, uh, 
It's a good question. And and the, the, the thing is that you have to go back to the principles of Catholic monarchy to re-understand um, or assess reality in a different way. Uh, freedom of religion is a main matter. Uh, right that came you know with the liberal revolution so that has no place in in catholic faith that doesn't mean that anybody else that does not have the catholic faith has to be uh persecuted or, or things like that but what it ensures is that uh, the catholic faith comes back to be what it used to be which is the the key union and the key force that drives the union between the different kingdoms of spain because mm. spain um exists because of the Catholic faith. That's a, a, a historical fact that some people may not understand or, of, um, or have been you know, misguided into, into that. But Spain is not a nation that has been designed with um, ideas that are aside of the Catholic faith. Spain exists because of the Catholic faith, because of the staunch defense of the Catholic faith. And that's what makes different unions, Navarra, Aragon, um, Castilla and Asturias, to be united because those kingdoms in themselves were formed by different people with different traditions, with different language, with different culture. So the thing that united them was the Catholic faith. And, you know, it's, it's something that we can see uh, from the very beginning with the conversion of Recaredo in uh, uh, collected in the third council of toledo right but it's something that really comes with a major mm. driving force after the reconquista yeah. and then well, of we we know the rest adrian so um so yeah yeah rudy <laughs> uh mr adonis thank you for for being on with us um i like what you thank said you. about spain you know, owing its existence to the church uh you know i'm i'm mexican too and so well, I'm Mexican, so what I wanted to say is Mexico owes its existence to Spain. Um, and, you know, oftentimes when I go to Mexico, I see that the culture there is, is culturally Catholic, you know, but it doesn't seem to have really deep roots in the faith. Uh, do you see that in Spain today? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I can tie with what I, we were discussing earlier is that... Um, I, and I can speak for Spain because you know that's the that's the, my home country. That's what I have lived for uh, most of my life, and um, this is what I have seen with my own eyes. Right, is that mainstream Catholicism or mainstream Catholics? They live the faith at an early age. Every generation that passes um, in modern times, uh, mainstream Catholics just uh, cease to be Catholic um, earlier and earlier, and. You know, there are, there are many factors that we can discuss about it, um, but I think that in the moment that they see the faith as something that is um, a tool to entertain them or uh, something that is uh, being used to make them feel good, um, Spaniards, they have a high sense of ridicule, um, even to the extreme, I would say. The Spaniards from the old Spain, I'm talking about. And, um, you know, when they see uh, all the liturgical abuse that have taken place in the church in the last 50 or 60 years, I think that they just prefer to spend their time somewhere else. Mm. And that's one of the reasons uh, they don't join other, um, you know, let's say Protestant groups or, or, or whatever, yeah. you know, because they know that the Catholic faith is the true faith, is the true religion, and there is no, is no point, there's no sense in going to something else. But the fact is that what is being given to them is not just what um, it used to be. Mm. So 
that's, that happened on the on the one hand. That's something that I personally have experienced directly. But uh, on the other hand, it, this is very positive because it is creating an increasing that we can actually see in Spain and in other parts of uh, uh, Europe um, on the growing of traditional based communities that are formed by young people, young couples, young marriages, uh, you know, new families, and those are being um, demanding the the traditional faith, both in their liturgy and in the in their understanding and in their teaching. And this is something like where, to me, is very hopeful. You know that I can see how on the other one is uh, Spain is becoming a museum of all these churches, of all these cathedrals that, as you Joe point out, and the article points out, are empty. Uh, but on the other hand, you have these new uh, young couples that uh, are increasingly attached to uh, the traditional uh, Catholic faith. And to me, that's that's very good news. You know, I'm, I was thinking about this as you were speaking about the fact that you were saying there's a lot of young people in Spain who are having this uh, realization about the abuses happening in liturgy. And it reminded me of the fact that Spain had its own traditional liturgy, like they never did the Tridentine Mass. They, didn't, they had their own liturgy that was unique to Spain. Is there a restoration or a movement to reclaiming that patrimony in Spain? I'm thinking of, uh, you know, the... These are the liturgies that would have been said by, you know, a King St. Ferdinand would have attended that mass uh, growing up and he would have yes. found his vocation there. Uh, could you talk about, do you know anything about that? Yes, um, mainly I'm assuming you're talking about the El Rito Mozarabe, uh, the Mozarabic rite, and which is mainly happening in the south uh, part of Spain, although it was very extended. <clears throat> I don't think that it was extended to the north of Spain, to the Basque country and Navarra, which is the area that I come from. But um, but yes, it is, and it is preserved. And in the Cathedral of Sevilla, which is the, I believe, the third largest cathedral in the world, uh, you still have that, 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 that right available, but it's very, very minor. I will say that is the traditional Roman right, the one that is growing the most in the younger, in the younger uh, faithful Catholics right now. Um, it is. It is. Um, it can be said that the the right has been the Mozarabic right has been preserved, but not that it's growing. Okay, that's very interesting. I'll be curious to see how that develops over time. But the one other thing is the you know we, we there's a common joke among uh, America and Britain because of uh, Monty Python. You know nobody expects a Spanish Inquisition, but and it's a it's a common joke because people like to spin the Spanish Inquisition to be this evil thing that was destroying and killing people and this wicked thing but we see that more and more with the rise of of priests and bishops and lay people who completely disregard the faith and push these heretical ideas i mean the most clear example is we were talking earlier about things going on in germany uh, do we need another spanish inquisition oh, absolutely absolutely this but, but you know, first of all, we have to clear all the myths about the, the Spanish Inquisition. And I recommend for this, for all the audience that you have out there, a very good book uh, written here by um, Professor Powell um, from the University of New Mexico. I think it was written in the 90s, and it's called Tree of Hate. Um, that book explains all the propaganda that uh, was created by the Anglo-Saxon Empire in order to diminish um, the influence of the Catholic Empire of Spain. 
And one of those things is portraying the Spaniards and portraying the whole Inquisition as this kind of like crazy people that is persecuting, killing, burning uh, anyone that, uh, you know, has some uh, freedom uh, or different idea, no, express with their freedom some different idea of the, um, aside of the Catholic orthodoxy. Uh, that is just simply not true. Uh, if you want, if you go through the uh, different type of uh, sentences and, uh, and court trials that there was during the uh, Inquisition time that in Spain lasts for three centuries, we are talking 300 years, you will see that the number of people sentenced to death uh, on religious acquisition was minimal. Minimum. You compare that, for example, with the massive executions that happened during one month in the French Revolution and of Catholics that were killed because were Catholic, they were Catholic, uh, for example, in La Vendée, pues you see that it's a myth that it doesn't stand straight. Mm. We only have about a minute and a half left in our conversation with Eduardo Ordonez about uh, the faithful in Spain. Um, so I guess my last question or my last uh, one point I wanted you to comment on really quickly is, you know, uh, the 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 Passion Week processions out of Seville. I mean, just that embodies what I think is like the 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 spirit of Catholic Spain. But I wonder how many of those men carrying those incredibly ornate and beautiful uh, floats are, you know, uh, statues are actually attending mass and living their faith or are they like the irish and they're they've become basically secularists with a catholic uh i don't know we're out of time the music is playing so i'm out of time but i guess i'm i'm concerned about spain thank you for your time today yes. eduardo or i wish i had more time with you i'd love to continue to chat with you but uh maybe we'll have to have you back eduardo ordones a traditional carlist he runs a circle out of Texas. You can find more information on their website, which we will link. Because what, what? Can you give it to us real quick? Yes, you can go to laesperanza.com, uh, which is uh, the Carlist um, digital platform for all of our news, and it comprises all the different Carlist circles that are both okay. in all Spain and New Spain. La Esperanza, just Google that. La Esperanza Carlist, you'll probably find it there. But we'll put the link in the description as well. God love you. God bless you, Eduardo. Thank you for your time today. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for inviting me. All right. That is going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Thank you for having uh, to spend the time with us. We're grateful to always have you on board. But if you can join us in the second hour, we would love to have you. Go to our website, grnonline.com. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.
Hi, this is Robert Dominguez, General Manager for the Guadalupe Radio Network, West Texas, and New Mexico listening areas. As we approach the most beautiful season of the year, I would like to take this opportunity to thank each and every one of you that helped in some way or another keep Catholic Radio on the air. I pray that you have a very beautiful Christmas season surrounded by friends and family. And as we gather with our loved ones, may we be forever thankful. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. G.K. Chesterton says, All comfort must be based on discomfort. What's that supposed to mean? It has something to do with the fact that we celebrate Christmas in December. It is the feast in the middle of winter. We are choosing to be joyful at the very moment when the whole material world around us is most sad. We are defying cold death outside by celebrating life inside. And that's why there's nothing more comfortable than a blazing fire in the middle of a blizzard, and why we bring a green tree inside and decorate it and talk of good cheer in the face of darkness and death. Tidings of comfort and joy. Because all comfort is based on discomfort. Want more than a minute? Visit us at Chesterton.org. From the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 10 through 11, the angel said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid, for behold, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today in the city of David a Savior has been born, for you who is Messiah and Lord. As we celebrate this Christmas season, bring love and joy to all the people, because our Savior is born. I'm David Magianis with the Guadalupe Radio Network, and I wish you and your family a Merry Christmas. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. It is First Friday. January the 7th, 2022. Congratulations. You have survived your very first week of 2022. God is so very good. And you get to enjoy your weekend at least, you know, a few hours from now anyway. Uh, So hopefully your weekend will be restful, peaceful, relaxing, productive. I don't know whatsoever is on your agenda, but uh, we'll be praying about that here in a few moments. We just wrapped up a conversation with Eduardo Ordones, a Carlist from Spain who uh, helped us to try to understand what is going on there. Why are the Catholic faithful leaving the faith in Spain? It's, it's sad to see it happen in Montreal, Ireland, and many other countries to see Spain do it too. Now, oof, makes my heart uh, skip a beat. But at any rate, we're going to post that conversation on our YouTube and social channel soon. You can find all those linked up on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Anything about that interview that uh, stood out to you? Uh, yeah, it, it, it leaves inspirations in my heart. I want the, the restoration of monarchy. You know, I, cool. I, you could say well, a silver lining. It took, for, it took a lot longer to impact Spain in, this, in a significant way than almost every other country. 
That's true. I mean, I, maybe Poland could be an, ex- an exception to that. Mm-hmm. Hungary, possibly. I don't know. Yeah, it's sad to see, you know, the uh, the daughters of the church kind of uh, going wayward. You know, France and Ireland. Yeah. And France sort of was never the same after the French Revolution. Nope. Oh, but in the Spanish Civil War in 1937, uh, there was over 6,000 priests murdered. Wow. And not that doesn't even include the, the, the religious nuns and sisters and things like that. Um, from what I read, it had the most amount of persecuted, martyred uh, clergymen than any other time in history in the church. Absolutely. Brutal. That's crazy. And that was communism and socialism. Welcome to that. Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good, Good morning, morning to Adrian. Praise be to God. You know, I was thinking uh, when you're talking about a restoration of monarchy in Poland, uh, you know, Poland's still technically a monarchy. They, it is in their constitution that Our Lady and Our Lord are king and queen of Poland. That's awesome. So, praise yeah. be to God. Praise so they are technically God. still a monarchy. If you, ha- if you have to have a king. Mm, I mean, it's a pretty good king. It's a pretty good king. Christ- <laughs> Viva Cristo Rey, right? <laughs> Viva. Viva. Yeah, amen to that. Praise be to God. Uh, well, we are going to have a good hour this hour. We are going to uh, have a piece of good news. You got a piece of good news, right? I got two pieces of good news Wow, it's you. a Friday. Good. Wow. You got a, you got a freebie today. <laughs> Buy one, get one free today on the good news. Praise be to God for that. And then, of course, we are going to have a Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and then we will play our game, Fear and Trembling, and today we're giving out the prize. So it ought mm-hmm. to be a great day. Praise be. This would be, is this your, fir- this is your first prize drawn in studio? Yeah, that's oh, true. This is exciting. Get this- ready for hype. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up. <laughs> I got a cowbell in front of me, at so get ready. 15 past the hour, praise be to God. And then we will have an after show where we will conversate about whatever it is on your heart, your mind, whatever you want to talk about. You can drive that conversation on our live video feeds, which you can watch, hang out, and comment right now if you like. Just go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, to find all the links to Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and Odyssey. And, and I'm streaming on LinkedIn right now. I mean, we cross-post everywhere. So find that at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Real quick, before we pray and jump in, have I mentioned we're trying to give somebody a Mercedes? Somebody's going to drive away in a brand new Mercedes come February, the end of February. It is a GLA 250. It's in the uh, night black color scheme, praise be to God. And uh, you could win. It could be yours. And the good news is we get to use the proceeds to keep Catholic Radio alive and well in your community. So support your local Catholic radio station by purchasing your car car raffle tickets. You can go online to do that at grnonline.com or call your local GRN station manager. They would be more than excited to talk to you today and get uh, you some tickets. So you can find their contact information on the website, though, grnonline.com. Let's pray. Let's dive in. Let's pray for the conversion of sinners around the world, a restoration to uh, fidelity to the church and to our teaching and to our patrimony, not only around the world, but specifically in Spain today. Let's pray for Spain today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and now your good news story for the day. Life News reports doctor helps 350 moms change their minds about abortion by offering free ultrasounds. 
An Alabama OBGYN has helped more than 350 mothers change their minds about abortion by offering them free ultrasounds of their unborn babies. In a special People to Watch series this month, the Montgomery Advisor highlighted Dr. Matthew Phillips and his life-saving work through his nonprofit Life on Wheels. An obstetrician and gynecologist in Montgomery, Phillips founded Life on Wheels about five years ago to provide free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women considering abortion, according to the report. The nonprofit has three mobile facilities in Montgomery and Birmingham that offer free services outside abortion facilities, pregnancy centers, and Alabama State University campuses. Since Life on Wheels began in December 2016, more than 350 mothers changed their minds about getting an abortion after they provided her with a free ultrasound of her unborn baby. In total, they have served nearly 6,000 clients, according to the nonprofit's website. The founder says, quote, I realize the power of ultrasound in empowering a woman to make a decision about her pregnancy, Phillips told the newspaper. It does change your life, a child, but it, just like all other crises in our lives, if someone can step alongside you and help you, most crises can be overcome. So that's kind of what we do with the bus, unquote. He said that they link mothers to local pregnancy centers and other charities, too, because they understand that raising a child can be an overwhelming challenge. He told the story of one former patient who lost her job and almost lost her house after giving birth. When she called the organization for help, one of the board members was able to get Catholic Social Services to pay two months of her rent, and she ultimately got her job back. Eventually, Phillips said that they hoped to expand to have a mobile pregnancy center outside of every abortion city facility in Alabama. And the Epic Times reports Mountain Climber finds 6,000 gemstones worth $340,000 on a French mountain where a plane crashed in 1966. In the decades after the 1966 crash of an Air India plane on Mount Blanc in France, the mountain's ice and snow has been yielding bits of debris, such as photos, old newspapers, and in 1986, even a piece of a landing gear. Then in 2013, a French mountain climber in his 20s made the dazzling discovery of a metal box containing 6,000 precious gemstones, mostly emeralds and sapphires, worth a staggering 300,000 euros. The climber turned in the gems to the French authorities who sought out the heirs of the Lost Trove. According to French law, if the property is not claimed by the rightful owner within two years' time, it is forfeited and divided equally between the finder and the authorities. Early in December, the municipality ordered that the emeralds and sapphires uh, have now officially been claimed by the municipality and the climber who found them. The Chamonix Council said they will display their half of the treasure at the recently opened Chamonix Crystal Museum as part of its geological and historical mineral collection. As the stones were precisely categorized, they likely belonged to an Indian stone dealer who was on their way to Geneva for a commercial reason. France 24 reported, and that's good news. God love you. The saint of the day is a great Spanish saint and Dominican, if I may add. He is Saint Raymond of Pinafort, born in 1175. Raymond lived into his 100th year. Wow, that's very old. He had a chance to do so many things. And as a member of the Spanish nobility, he had the resources and the education to get a good start. By the time he was 20, he was teaching philosophy. and In his early 30s, he earned a doctorate in both canon and civil law. At 41, he became a Dominican friar, as all wise men do. Pope Gregory IX called him to Rome to work for him and to be his confessor. It's a pretty important job. One of the things the Pope asked him to do was to gather together all the decrees of popes and councils that have been made in 80 years since a similar collection by Gratian. 
Raymond compiled five books called the Decretals, and they were looked upon as one of the best organized collections of church law until the 1917 codification of canon law. Earlier, Raymond had written for confessors a book of cases. It was called the Summa de Cassibus Potitensiae. More than simply a list of sins and penances, it discussed pertinent doctrines and laws of the church that pertain to the problem of case brought to the confessor. At the age of 60, Raymond was appointed Archbishop of Targona, the capital of Aragon. He didn't like the honor at all and ended up getting sick and resigning after only two years. He didn't get to enjoy his peace long, however, because when he was 63, he was elected by his fellow Dominicans to be the head of the whole order, the successor of St. Dominic. Raymond worked hard, visited on foot all the Dominicans, reorganized their constitutions, and managed to put through a provision that a master general be allowed to resign. When the new constitutions were accepted, Raymond, then 65, resigned. He still had 35 years to oppose heresy and work for the conversion of the Moors in Spain. He convinced St. Thomas Aquinas to work to write his work against the Gentiles, the Summa Contra Gentiles. In his 100th year, the Lord let Raymond retire. He died January 6, 1275. St. Raymond Pinafort, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you for uh, the saints of the day. We love those. Praise be to God. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. It happened that there was a man full of leprosy in one of the towns where Jesus was. And when he saw Jesus, he fell prostrate, pleaded with him, and said, Lord, if you wish, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I do will it, be made clean. And the leprosy left him immediately. Then he ordered him not to tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses prescribed. That will be proof for them. The report about him spread all the more, and great crowds assembled to listen to him and to be cured of their ailments. But he would withdraw to deserted places to pray. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Venerable Bede would say, By this leper is represented the whole human race, which was covered with a spiritual leprosy and languishing in the corruption of sin. For all have sinned and need the glory of God. Therefore, he stretched forth his hand, i.e., he clothed himself with our human nature, that we might be cleansed from our former errors, and might offer in return for this favor our bodies, a living sacrifice to God. Close quote. Venerable Bede, pray for us. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, say, uh, Venerable... Nah. Cornelius Alapide says that the, uh, he, he's referring here to the verse, I will be thou clean. And he says there is two errors that is combated by this very word, this small little phrase, I will be thou clean. He says Arius would claim that our Lord was not God, that he was a mere man and whose attributes is an almighty will. And so uh, this is, it says, uh, so Cornelius Alapide says this is combated here because when he says, I will be thou clean, he's not saying God wills or the Father wills, he's saying, no, I will. Because I will it, it will happen because I am God. And that is what is referred to here. Now, what happens next? Manichaeus is combated here as well. Because Manichaeus taught that Christ had not real flesh, but only in appearance. 
But if that was true, when our Lord said, I will be thou clean, he then touches him. But how could our Lord touch him if he had not real flesh, but was only in appearance? This is why it's very important to look carefully at the actions of our Lord. Because remember, our Lord did nothing accidentally. Our Lord is God. He has infinite wisdom. He knew all things. So every question he asks, every action he does has significance. Whenever he touches someone, he could have healed them otherwise. He could have willed it just by the movement of his mind and healed them. He could have willed it by, his, uh, by speaking, or he could have willed it by touching. So why does he do it in this manner? So keep that in mind when he says this. And our Lord combats these heresies against the body by doing this physically, but also, says Cornelius Lapide, to simply show that he loved him because he was willing to violate the law, which God cannot violate, so he does not actually violate it, but he appears to violate the law and touch a leper to show that while illness infects the human body, his body cures illness. And I think that's a, a couple of things to focus on for this, but there's much more to be said. Oh, yeah. We could go on forever. Praise be to God. Thank you to Verboom.com forward slash GRN for giving us the tools to connect the dots very quickly. Go to dive deep into commentaries like these, like Cornelius Lapidae and the early church fathers and Haydock and Ignatius and so many others. It makes it super easy. It's a great tool. You can find it linked up at Verboom with a V, verboom.com forward slash GRN. It's time to play our game show, and today we're giving out prizes. If you would like a chance to win those prizes, call right now, 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877-757-9424. Call right now and be our first caller to be the contestant at 877-757-9424. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children develop the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, 
sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have a secret and hidden agenda, which I don't want to tell anybody. So if I tell you, you've got to promise me not to share this with anybody. But before I do that, phone lines are open, and it's a great opportunity to win some prizes, and you don't need to know the answers, and I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But if you would like to possibly win today's prize, you've got to call right now at 877-757-9424. Phone lines are available at 877-757-9424. Adrian is waiting for your call right now at 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. But there are a few things, as I say, that we like to do during this show. My secret and hidden agenda. I'm revealing them to you right now. Uh, I feel a little vulnerable, to be honest with you. But number one, (laughs) number one, what are you laughing at? Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions, and you might learn something you did not know before. Praise be to God. That's always fun. They make for great, uh, you know, icebreakers at parties, that kind of thing. And then number two, we like to laugh. And our callers tend to be a really good sport. They tend to be fun. They laugh with us. They have a chuckle. We enjoy that quite a bit. And then, of course, number three, we give out prizes, which makes it a winner for everybody involved. And today is the day when we draw a name out of the coffee cup and announce it live on the radio and give out prizes. Today's that day. And, uh, Rudy, what could they win? Yes, sir. This week we have a generous sponsor uh, by way of Catholic Printing Press. And they don't make them like they used to, Joe. You know, you ever crack open an old missal or an old book, Catholic book, you find these really amazing uh, heirloom quality prayer cards. Well, that's what they've offered us this week. So make a statement whether writing a letter, collecting heirloom holy cards, or giving a gift, they aim to provide you with something unique. And like I said, they're they're generously sponsoring our game show this week with some heirloom quality holy cards. They're also made in the U.S., so that's that's, a they got that going for them, excuse Praise me. Be so get your prayer life kick-started in 2022 with some amazing holy cards. You can visit their website at catholicprintingpress.com or on Instagram at catholicprintingpress. Thank you, Catholic Printing Press, for being yeah, thank a you. generous sponsor of our game show this week. We're so very grateful to you, and we're excited to give out prizes today. Uh, so here's the deal. Uh, the caller does not need to know a single correct answer, and they could still win. And the reason why is because I'm going to ask... Rudy, and I'll ask Adrian these questions, and one of them will be correct, and the other will be incorrect. The caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more? And then every right answer goes into that coffee cup of divine providence, which Rudy will draw out from here in just a little bit. Let's go to the phones. Jude, good morning to you, sir. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How are you today? Praise be to God. I am alive, and that counts. How are you? Another day in paradise. <laughs> Another day in the uh, in paradise. Now you're from the Houston area, if I if I remember correctly. Yes, please. 
it has been at least since 2021, since we last talked. Has it been going well for you? Yes, God is great. You know, every day is a good day for me. Amen to that, Jude. Praise be to Jesus. Tell, remind us one more time, where do you go to church? Oh, I go to church at St. Francis Cabrini. Oh, yes, that's right. How wonderful. Yeah. Now, since the last time you called, if I'm not mistaken, the last time you called in, Janice was here. Uh, since then, we've replaced her with Rudy. So can I just get friendly? Because I, I, you're such a fan of the CDT. Rudy's tricky. you got to be careful, Jude. All right, so you got to listen very carefully to what Rudy says. Uh, are you ready to play, sir? Yes. Let's do this, Jude. Let's do this. We're going to go to Rudy first, as is our custom. Rudy, are you ready? I am so ready. Are you sure? I'm ready. Are you sure? You know, I've been meaning to ask you why you asked three times, Joe. Rudy, can you tell me, what are the names of the three kings? I sure can. Their names are Rudy, Joe, and Adrian. I th- the song does say, We Three Kings. That's true. So... Does it mean like we, as in we've sang the song? So true, King. So, <laughs> okay. So Rudy, Joe, and Adrian, those, that's your answer. That's my answer. For the three kings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Adrian, that's maybe me. you'll have a different answer. Can I, you tell I me probably do. <laughs> what are the names of the three kings? Well, you know, I the other name for the three kings are mm-hmm. the three wise men. Okay. So I think Rudy's probably wrong. <laughs> I'm going to go with Casper. <laughs> wow. Melkor and Ooh. Balthazar. Yeah. Are, were you suggesting that uh, King Joe and King Rudy weren't wise? Uh, sure, let's go with that. I'm going to throw you in the dungeon, dude. Okay. That's okay. enough. So your answer is Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. Very good. All right. Well, Jude, here is the deal. The, the question is, what are the names of the three kings? Uh, Adrian seems to think they're Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar, whereas Rudy seems to think they are... Rudy, Joe, and Adrian. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Jude, what say you? Yeah, Adrian. I'm going with Adrian. Cash and so on. You know? are, are you sure? That was so easy. <laughs> I noticed Rudy put Rudy first in the list. It's true. Hmm. I mean, we're all monarchists here, apparently. As long as we're king. As long as we're king. Good job, Jude. That was a pretty easy, straightforward one. This next one, hmm, I don't know. We'll see. Jude, you're in the cup. I think we're going to get you in there twice, but let's just see what happens here. We'll go with Adrian. Adrian, can you tell me? That's dangerous. I would agree with that. Adrian, can you tell me? Maybe. When is Epiphany? When is Epiphany? Yes. Epiphany Mm -hmm. was yesterday, January 6th. The greatest celebration of all time, January 6th. Yesterday. (laughs) You're saying it was yesterday. Yes. Biggest event. Beautiful celebration. That was the biggest event on January 6th? January 6th. That you can remember in recent memory. Best thing. Uh Uh-huh. Recent memory. Okay. Big gatherings? Big gatherings. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Very important people showed up. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's see what uh, Rudy says. Rudy, can you tell me when is epiphany i'm gonna go with january 2nd <laughs> did you throw a dart at the calendar yeah. like yes that, that's what you're gonna go january 2nd january that 2nd. was last sunday right it was like yeah last sunday yeah last sunday I mean, it makes sense right you celebrate it on a sunday huh okay uh jude here's the deal the question is when is epiphany rudy says it was january the 2nd on a sunday whereas adrian said it was yesterday january the 6th 15 seconds on the clock who is right who is wrong Jude, what say you? 
Are you sure? Oh, oh, I'm so man. sorry. Rudy, what are you to, to doing? To be fair, to be fair, January 2nd was they we moved this feast to celebrate on January 2nd, but yes. the feast day is always 12 days after Christmas yeah, or 13th a, day after Christmas. It is a, so. Yeah, January 6th is correct answer. Tricky question. Uh, it is a tricky question. And at least in America. I, I was afraid of that, to be in honest. In Rome, they still celebrate on January 6th. Do they? Yeah, so Pope Francis said the Epiphany Mass yesterday. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. All right, there you go. January 6th, Jude. But don't worry. I still think you've got great opportunity to get in for a second time with this third question, which, by the way, little little fun tip here. We did discuss this, the answer to this and the question yesterday or the day before. I forget. I think it was yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Yeah. yeah so yeah, I think uh, it was yesterday. let's go back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me what popular food is eaten during Epiphany Tide? I can. You know, just like we discussed yesterday, you uh-huh. go to the market and you, you pick up Little Debbie Epiphany Cupcakes. <sighs> They're so good. So good. Mm. That's what they've did eaten you, traditionally. Little Debbie. Did you just say Little, little, little Debbie. Debbie Epiphany Cupcakes? Little Debbie. Okay. Okay. I don't know who Debbie is, but... She, I don't know. I know who Joe's laughing at. She's it. little, not, It's just morning allergies. That's all it is. <laughs> but little Debbie. Okay. Adrian, can you tell me? Please, please tell me. I will try. Uh, what popular food <laughs> is eaten during Epiphany Tide? Yeah, that would be king cake. I don't know about Little Debbie, <laughs> but I'm going to eat king cake. King cake. That's yeah. the one where like, the little baby Jesus is hidden inside the cake? Yep. Okay. Okay. I wonder if Little Debbie... I, I'd be, probably some choke a, on it's that. It's a baby Jesus, Dangerous not a Little Debbie. Something. Just saying. Okay. All right, Jude. Here's the deal. The question is, what popular food is eaten during Epiphany Tide? Adrian says it's king cake. Rudy says it's Little Debbie Epiphany Cake. Cupcakes at that. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Jude, what say you? Epiphany Cake. That would be the... Are you saying the king cake? Is that you going with Adrian? Yes, yes, yes. Survey oh, says... I missed that. I missed I, he, he said, said. Adrian. He, he said, said Adrian, Jude. Yeah. You went with Adrian. You went with Adrian, right? Yeah. I, yeah. No, I said the small cake, epiphany cake. Yeah, not 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 Debbie cakes though, right? <laughs> yeah. Praise be to God, <laughs> Debbie cakes. Don't choke on a Debbie cake today. How about that? Make that make Debbie cakes. All right. Away. I'm All shaking right. this. We have to cup. pull a name. We're almost out of time, Jude. It could be God's will that it's you. Yeah, Let's 30 just see. seconds. Survey says... Oh, slipped out of my hand. All right, here we go. Dominic and Susan Burr Dominic, here. Let's go. our first contestant of 2022. Jude, thank you for playing along and having a laugh with us today. God love you, Jude. I am. I am too. Thank you. Have a no, great please, day. Make sure, you get make sure you put the answer always so that we know just of us listening, okay? All right, Jude. God love you. <laughs> God love you. Have a great day. Happy New Year to you. That is going to do it for the radio side of our show. Thanks for hanging out with us and having great fun and conversation. If you want to go to the after show, go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. 
Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate Friday after the Epiphany. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Peace on earth and mercy mild God and sinners reconciled Joyful all ye nations rise Join the triumph of the skies With angelicals proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. You were sent to heal the contrite of heart, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. You came to call sinners, Christ have mercy. Christ have mercy. You are seated at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who adorned the priest St. Raymond with the virtue of outstanding mercy and compassion for sinners and for captives. Grant us through his intercession that released from slavery to sin, we may carry out in freedom of spirit what is pleasing to you. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the first letter of St. John. Beloved, who indeed is the victor over the world, but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is the one who came through water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by water alone, but by water and blood. The Spirit is the one who testifies, and the Spirit is truth. So there are three who testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are of one accord. If we accept human testimony, the testimony of God is surely greater. 
Now the testimony of God is this, that he has testified on behalf of his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has this testimony within himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar by not believing the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever possesses the Son has life. Whoever does not possess the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you so that you may know that you have eternal life, you who believe in the name of the Son of God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Responsorial Psalm. Praise the Lord, Jerusalem. Praise the Lord, Jerusalem. Glorify the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he has strengthened the bars of your gates. He has blessed your children within you. Praise the Lord, Jerusalem. He has granted peace in your borders. With the best of wheat, he fills you. He sends forth his command to the earth. Swiftly runs his word. Praise the Lord, Jerusalem. He has proclaimed his word to Jacob, his statutes and his ordinances to Israel. He has not done thus for any other nation. His ordinances he has not made known to them. Alleluia. Praise the Lord, Jerusalem. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Jesus proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom and cured every disease among the people. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. It happened that there was a man full of leprosy in one of the towns where Jesus was. And when he saw Jesus, he fell prostrate, pleaded with him and said, Lord, if you wish, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him and said, I do will it, be made clean. And the leprosy left him immediately. Then he ordered him not to tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses prescribed. That will be proof for them. The report about him spread all the more, and great crowds assembled to listen to him and to be cured of their ailments. But he would withdraw to deserted places to pray. The Gospel of the Lord Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Still in the joy of the Christmas season, celebrating the birth of the newborn king, 
our Redeemer, our Savior. We celebrate this first Friday, making reparation to the sacred heart of Jesus, this babe who came all the way from heaven to make God's love visible and to restore the life of God, a relationship with God that was lost through sin. And as we heard in the first reading, we have the testimony of God himself to whom this child is. Now this child is God, the eternal word, the second person of the Trinity, who in the fullness of time was born of the Virgin Mary, assuming our human nature to become a sacrifice, a redeemer, a savior by going to the cross and rising and ascending and sending us the Holy Spirit. We have the testimony of God himself to this. We heard in the first reading from the beloved disciple, St. John. We have three who testify, the water, the blood, and the spirit. What does this mean? Well, over the water, we heard at the baptism of Jesus, and Jesus did not need to be baptized. He was baptized in order to sanctify the waters in which we are to be baptized. We heard the Father say, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So we have the testimony of the Father. The blood, Jesus on the cross, testifies to the divine love that he was born for going to the cross, taking our sins, nailing them to the cross, and setting us free and restoring the relationship with God. And when he gave up his spirit, there was the veil in the temple that was torn from the top down, <laughs> indicating the restoration of the relationship with God and man and man with God. And then the testimony of the spirit at Pentecost coming on the apostles, coming upon the church. The Spirit testifies that God is our Father and Jesus Christ is Lord. So this is the testimony of God himself, the Trinity. <laughs> Let us accept this good news. This is good news. This is great news. This is news beyond anything that humans could have ever expected that God would, himself would be the Savior, not just someone raised up from the human race, but God himself would assume our human nature and save us. And there's no greater testimony than God's. So let us believe this testimony. Now, in today's day and age, this word belief is hmm, kind of soft. Let's be convinced, convinced that God has come to us. God is born for us. And this mystery of the birth of Christ, you always have to keep it connected to the mystery of the cross and to the mystery of the Eucharist. It's all one mystery. The mystery of the God-man, the second person of the Trinity who loves us so much. But it's so easy to approach the newborn king, the babe, held in the arms of Mary, adored by Mary and Joseph and the angels, 
to approach this little babe who has his arms held out to us, open wide. And he says, behold my heart that loves you so much. Keep yourself in the love of Jesus. Jesus is offering you a communion of life with himself. He wants to heal you from all leprosy, which represents sin. Give your sins to Jesus. You know, this is still the Christmas season. What gift do you want to give to Jesus on his birthday? How about giving him your sins? You might say, that's a strange gift. Well, that's the gift he wants. Give him your sins and become new. Be restored in the image and likeness of God that you were created. And then for the rest of the year and the rest of your life. But let's start with this year. Let's give glory to God by living as children of God, by living our baptism. And if you know someone who has not been baptized, maybe they've stayed away out of fear for COVID, get them in to those saving waters of baptism so they can have this life of Christ. Remember, today is the first Friday. We make reparation to the sacred heart of Jesus by desiring to receive the promises made to us by Jesus through St. Margaret Mary, and one of those promises is that those who receive communion in a state of grace on the first Fridays of nine consecutive months will receive the grace of final repentance. They shall not die under God's displeasure, nor without receiving their sacraments. The heart of Jesus shall be their assured refuge at that last hour. And then one needs to go to confession eight days before or eight days after. That's actually been expanded to 20 days before or 20 days after, but we only receive communion in a state of grace. This is another gift of God's love for us. This whole season has been a season of God's love. In fact, every day is Christmas because every day we receive Jesus, the gift of God's love. Let us believe the testimony of God himself and be faithful children of God. May Mother Mary and St. Joseph help us become the saints we're created to be. We now stand to place our prayers and petitions before the throne of God with faith and confidence that the leaders of the church will proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ as he revealed it, that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, and that he established the Catholic Church and that we need to be faithful to his teachings that set us free and give us life, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For those responsible for government uh, leadership, that they humble themselves and enact laws in accord with gospel values, the Ten Commandments, sacred scripture, the divine positive law, natural law, that they respect life as sacred from conception and natural death and marriage between one man and one woman and religious freedom, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the sick and the suffering, and for a year where we're no longer paralyzed by fear, perfect love casts out all fear. For this perfect love, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for the relief and the release of the holy souls in purgatory, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son, who 
assumed our human nature and was born for us and is the gift to us. Anoint us in the Holy Spirit to live our life in Christ faithfully. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Once in royal David city Stood a lonely cattle shed Where a mother, her baby In a manger for his bed There he was, that mother mild Jesus Christ, her little child He came down to earth from heaven Who is God and Lord of all And his shelter was a sable And his cradle was a star With the poor and mean and lowly Lived on earth our Savior holy Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and good of all his holy church. Receive with favor, O Lord, we pray, the offerings of your people, that what they profess with devotion and faith may be theirs through these heavenly mysteries, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere, to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For today you have revealed the mystery of our salvation in Christ as a light for the nations. And when he appeared in our mortal nature, you made us new by the glory of his immortal nature. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaho, Pleni Celia Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take this all of you and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you.
in a similar way when supper was ended, he took the chalice and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples saying, Take this all of you and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. Mysterium Fidei, Mortem Tuam, Annunciamus Domine, Et Tuam, Resurrectionem Confitemur, Donec Venias. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly, we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, quitulis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, quitulis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. 
Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. of spiritual communion my Jesus I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament I love you above all things and I desire to receive you into my soul since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally come at least spiritually into my heart I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you never permit me to be separated from you amen Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin, mother and child. Let us pray. <clears throat> o God, who touch us through our partaking of your sacrament, work we pray the effects of its power in our hearts, that we may be fit to receive your gift through this very gift itself, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. 
Benedicat vos omnipotens Deus Pater et Filius et Spiritus Sanctus. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains, and the mountains in reply. Echoing the joyous strains. The prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Is a 